Elliot, I've got good news. I think I've figured out what my uh, cosplay uh, costume for C2E2 is going to be. You, wait, you're going to go as Captain Kirk? No, you're going as Matt Damon from The Martian. No, I'm actually going to wear a uh, Spider-Man t-shirt, sweatpants, and go as uh, Peter P. Parker. I was born for it. Well, you're a dead ringer. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Well, maybe it's one of those other shows, like Outer Limits. Confuse the Twilight Zone with the Outer Limits? Do you even know me? Geek Counter Geek number 133. I'm Keith Conrad, joined by uh, Elliot Serrano and, uh, and Todd Allen. Todd, who decided to stick around from the last one, we have not allowed him to leave. The guy has been pretty much in a box under um, our beds. I thought I was coming to the pub. No. It's a week later. That's what you thought. No, he's not going anywhere. Maybe we'll let him go this time. It depends on, you know, on what he contributes. <laughs> so uh, well, That could be taken a few ways. Yeah, uh-huh. and it will well, be. It's like again when, when, again. when, yep. when you're... <laughs> It's like when, when you're at work and you realize that if you do a really bad job at something, they won't ask you to do it again. So, you know, if you contribute literally nothing. But I'm not the know, mayor. Uh, that, that's true. Not, not that you know of. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen in the runoff. Well, we don't want to get into runoff after the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, Elliot, I guess you, you, you finally had some free time. Finally. Because the, you, you got caught up on uh, Star Trek Discovery, and I, I want to touch on that a little bit, but you finally, at long last, after it, you know, won an Oscar or two, <laughs> you finally saw Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, and I mean, uh, yes, I was one of those folks, before the movie came out, I was saying this is, was going to be Sony's sleeper hit. Yeah, And, and by the yeah. way, I should mention that I thought I was a late uh, comer right. to it. I saw it like two months ago. Right. And I saw it, it on yeah. Christmas Eve. Yeah, right. And it came out around Christmas, and this is a movie that had some tremendous word of mouth. I kept hearing from folks saying that they were going to see it later and still walking into theaters that were fairly full. Um, And um, I just never had a chance. And then by the time I did have time to see it, they pulled it from the theater. So I had to watch it online. Well, the digital digital offerings that they were doing. So I finally saw it. Oh, I figured they were doing one of those watch all the Oscar nominee things, and you, you snuck in. That's generally. I stay in the bathroom until um, the the favorite finished. Oh, and yeah, then, and then. <laughs> but yeah, and and I gotta say, I was I was really I was afraid. Even as someone who was part of the hype machine in the very beginning, I was afraid we were Hamilton. Hamilton, we were giving it the Hamilton. You know, like talking it up so much that when people go see it, they're like. They're either, oh, it was great, it lived up to the hyper, eh, not so much. And mm-hmm. it was really good. I really, I feel it lived up to the hype, in my, my opinion. And I, uh, the, the biggest surprise for me was in the first couple minutes when uh, Chris Pine was in it. Because I, even, even though the movie had been out for a while when I saw it, I, I still hadn't seen anything about that, about him being in it. Being the, yes. Being the sort of, I, I guess you could say the original 
The original Peter, Peter Parker. Peter Parker, yeah. yeah. And it's it's funny because you know well, they had cast somebody else to be the voice. Mm-hmm. And then but then then you hear him and you're like he sounds where have I heard that voice before? Yeah, I mean that's exactly what, what? I was thinking. And it was like nagging at me. But I will say uh, the my uh, the best line though. And I think we're all going to relate to this until at least 2020 was when when Peter after like getting the crap kicked out of him by the Green Goblin goes, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can I can relate to that. Uh, they, they, it's so nailed the character. I mean, with when you look at something, I think the I will never understand why. And Todd, maybe you can speak to this. Why is it that when you look at the animated features produced by different studios, DC side included, it seems like the animated movies features they seem to just really nail the character they like they quote unquote get the character well, it's budget yeah well but but then the movies the live action movies just it seems like th- there's something lost in the translation well it's hard to translate a superhero costume into real life well even the people the, don't look that good in spandex true no mm-hmm. you, you you make a good point there but uh, but to me like i look at man of steel Oh, with Superman, right? <laughs> and, but the, the, to me, whether uh, not even looking at the costume, but the, the, we I've, we've talked about it on the show, and I've talked about it to all my friends. I just can't stand that film because it it's like they totally don't get the the character of Superman. Ah, but you've got an Artur directing. <sighs> Artur, that was a good dejected sigh. Yeah, well, but say I guess directors don't really have quite as much stylistic uh, changes to the source material in animation for the most part. Now you get somebody like Brad Bird, he probably does have a little more influence. I mean, we've seen him do Mission Impossible for that matter. Uh, But he hasn't been doing the adaptions. Uh, Who was the director for Big Hero 6? Oh, yeah, that's a Disney one. Uh, Because that one actually did change things up a fair amount from the comic, I think. The, yeah, Scott Lobdell's um, Big Hero Six, right? Yeah. That, that was from the, um, and uh, Joe Casey was it Joe Casey and Scott Lobdell could be done that. Well, to me, it's just again, Peter Parker in Into the Spider Verse was everything I would expect from Spider Man, wisecracking, good at heart. You know, you you just automatically empathize. You want this Spider Man to you know to win, to do well, to succeed, even though he's getting the crap kicked out of him. Well, and, and you notice it's another thing where they kill the old guy. Oh. This, is, this is adult Peter Parker. Yes. You know, and, and yeah, he dies. Well, no, Spoiler the, alert. No, the, 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 this is the 26-year-old Peter Parker. Oh, yeah, yeah, because well, 14, uh, yeah, other, other Peter Parkers are in this story. Yeah, there are lots older. of Peter Parkers, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, there will be Peter Parker will die. It's, yeah, it's a kind of spoiler, but let's face it. You already know that there's going to be more than one Spider-Man. And, in and, this, right, and so. remember... It was too complicated for DC to have multiple Earths. <laughs> hey, which Marvel is doing now. Marvel is doing multiple Earths, which is, okay. So folks, that. folks who aren't entirely aware of it. So Into the Spider-Verse is based on, in part, the Spider-Verse storyline from the comics written by Dan Slott, but actually really more um, based on the Spider-Man um, miniseries, two-part um, Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, that uh, um, Brian Michael Bendis wrote um, featuring the Miles Morales Spider-Man. So they kind of mishmashed 
the ideas from the two miniseries into one film. Really streamlined it a, a bit because the uh, Spider-Verse miniseries that Dan Slott wrote is like this big, long, sweeping epic with like more than a dozen Spider-Men, if more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even have a Spider-Man from um, Shakespearean times. So, you know, Nice. So, yeah, so they really whittled it down um, to like a, a core number of characters that were in the comics. And um, but really gave it a heart because um, the Miles Morales Spider-Man character was one that generated not a little bit of controversy back when he was first created. Oh, just a little. Yeah, because so many folks were upset with the idea of any other but anybody else being Spider-Man other than Peter Parker. I, I think the only requirement of uh, of uh, Spider-Man is really that you have an, an alliterative name, and so yes. you know you can be African American, Hispanic. It doesn't matter as long as as long as you have an, an, an alliterative name, you're good. So you'd have Jose Juan Yavera. Oh, no, that didn't work. Because yeah, Jose Jimenez is already Jose, taken. Jose Jimenez. Yeah. Jose, oh God, I just turned into um, George Costanza. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> again. So again. So uh, they they this movie, of course, into the Spider Verse is just a, kind of like a love letter to the character of Spider-Man. And of course there's a, the tip of the hat, the homage to Stan Lee, mm-hmm. which, you know, let's face it, you know, no one expected him to have passed on by then, but the fact that he did seeing him do, do yet another one of his cameos in a film was a very, you know, I mean, it, there are some, there were tears, you know, there are some folks tugging at the heartstrings and, and hankies out there. And um, I was just amazed yet again, why is it that the animated guys, understand the spider-man character and yet sam raimi close but no cigar mark webb with um the andrew garfield version and, and that's never bothered to watch and uh, that, that by the way his name's mark webb if anybody should get <laughs> spider-man it's him yeah but i mean he was closer i thought andrew garfield was decent as but he wasn't the thing was the andrew garfield spider-man even though he was more wisecracking and so on he was too freaking emo Mm-hmm. And by the that's in the, why I didn't even bother. Right. And in and in Amazing Spider-Man Two, the sequel, he's stalking Gwen Stacy, you know, through the through the film, which mm-hmm. is kind of creepy. And now with um, Tom Holland, it's a little bit closer to the the spirit of Spider-Man, uh, as we know him in the comics. But boy, they nailed it in 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 this com- in this uh, animated series, in the animated film. You wonder if they had fewer cooks because they had a lower animation budget. You know, but you would think as as complex as that animation was, was it really? Oh no, I'm talking studio cooks. Uh, well, yeah, I mean that's been DC's bane of existence: the Warner Studio guys uh, trying to offer helpful opinions. Well, the Warner Studio, I mean, even with DC, I'd say they really need to get the, the animation guys in charge of the live action division because I think uh, Bruce Tim and Paul Dini and those guys, they get Spider-Man and Superman better than I think uh, Zack Snyder ever did. Oh, that's not even a question. You know, <laughs> and I'm just curious as to what James Gunn is going to do with Suicide Squad. And, and um, you know, well, we know that, uh, uh, was it, is the, is the Joss Whedon Batgirl still on or did they, did they call it? They oh, I, the I think they pulled the plug on that one. That one's gone, I'm not yeah. sure. Because is, is Joss Whedon persona non grata again or... Do people love him or hate him? I don't know. Uh, he had his own like Me Too thing. Yeah, going he had on. his own Me Too thing, and and, and yeah, and I'm, really I'm not sure he's comes I come back from that yet. Fluid situation. Yeah, because I remember the the speaking of Joss Whedon to go on a tangent. 
I remember the Whedonverse social media account was going to shut down when all that stuff about him came out. And I remember seeing them say their goodbye on Twitter, and that lasted a week or whatever. And then they were back again tweeting Buffy quotes and stuff like that, which just goes to show how, you know, kind of like the outrage machine mm-hmm. can work. So, yeah, I, I again, I, I don't know if I should be eating crow here. Because I didn't say that the Into the Spider first was going to suck. I said it was going to no, be good. No, you were you were a proponent of it. It's proponent. just for some reason you you it took me didn't to see actually it. see it. You didn't trust yourself. I didn't. I, mean, I I went and saw it on your recommendation before you saw it. Did you? Well, what what was your favorite part of it? Um, well, I hate to say it, but my my favorite part was the pig. <laughs> hey, 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 Spider ham, yeah. I had people in the family we needed something like the pig for on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and the pig delivered. It's true, and, and I did really like th- how uh, how uh, at the end before he goes home, he says, "That's all, folks." That's all and, folks. and they can go, you "Say that? Can, can he say that legally?" <laughs> <laughs> no, he could. He just couldn't say the, 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 He can't say it like yeah. that. That's where you run into the, you know. Yeah. That, that, uh, well, and, and the uh, he he gives him uh, his mallet, and he says, "It'll fit in your pocket." <laughs> There were so many jokes, and of course, did you get the final scene, the the, the final joke at the very end, the post credit scene? Did you understand that one? No, because that's um, that I don't remember. I actually saw it when it was in theaters. I can't right? even remember the post credit scene. I don't know if like know we, that, we left not knowing it was it. there. That that at was the setting up end. the sequel. Well, no, it's a, it's no. Miguel O'Hara, uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. See. Uh, the, the thing that cracks me up with the whole Miles Morales thing that people were like, you can't have a Spider-Man that's not Peter Parker. Miguel Morales, I mean, Miles Morales, how how can, you know, Hispanic, you know, but, you know, nah, nah, nah. they didn't complain about a Miguel O'Hara. Yeah, but nobody read 2099. <laughs> oh, but it had Rick Leonardi on, on the artwork. That was pretty yeah. incredible. Rick Leonardi. Spider-Man, it was back when Marvel was doing all these, um, it was the, uh, the Marvel heroes in the future, mm-hmm. and it was like Ghost Rider 2099, Doom, Spider-Man Doom. 2099, yeah, Doom 2099, it's like 100 years in the future. Cause, was the Punisher thing called Ravage? Yeah. So so Miguel O'Hara is the future Spider-Man, which actually comes back in um, the Spider-Verse. Then and you're he, doing alternate future, you're not doing Spider-Man now, that's where people got him. Yeah. And well, that totally breaks with the Keith Conrad rule that it has to have an alliterative name. Yes, Miguel. I, I just thought Miguel O'Hara, though. It was kind of like, you know, well, whatever. Although, yeah. I, I, I am not going. It is okay. I know a Puerto Rican named Doyle. Well, yeah. See, that's it's funny. I know several folks who are of mixed uh, Spanish and Irish heritage. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's just kind of like. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, no, no. Yeah, it is, it is a thing. Seems like it would be a fun family. <laughs> Especially around Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, uh, again, uh, I, I'm astounded, again, that a movie like Into the Spider-Verse, which still gets the per- character perfectly, people laud it, people rave about it, still doesn't make as much money as a live-action Spider-Man movie. And and Lord and Miller were were involved in that. They're producers, they? I yeah. Mean, yes. Well, so that was that that wasn't their like uh, their post uh, post yeah, solo post thing. Solo thing. Yeah. Well, they were working on that during the whole solo thing. Well, maybe they shouldn't have been. But mind you, that, that hey, hey, something like solo would have been hilarious if it was a Lego movie. 
It didn't work as live action, but uh, Lando being in love with his robot, if that was Legos, that would have been hilarious. Uh, I, you know, I didn't mind Solo that much. Like, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was that great. But you know, like I, I, uh, I, I think if um, if they hadn't had like the well, if they had hired uh, Ron Howard from the beginning and there wasn't all that drama over the yeah. uh, thing, and they hadn't like had to shoot the entire movie twice, so it cost so much money. I, I, I if it hadn't had all that negativity beforehand, I think it it, it would have been just fine. So if they had released it around Christmas. As opposed to that would have helped three months. Well, then after. I wouldn't have seen Spider Ham. Wow, it's true. True. So. I mean, you would have eventually, with you yeah. know, about the same time Elliot did. <laughs> well, you know, he is the gatekeeper. That's true. Ah, oh, no, no gatekeeping here. All are welcome. All are welcome. Well, yeah. well. Speaking of gatekeeping, uh, you know, CBS All Access is <laughs> is where you have to go for Star Trek Discovery, and that. You know that that's uh, uh, Todd. You mentioned that you haven't seen it at all, probably because you're not interested in paying for Bing, 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 Bing. for CBS All Access. Uh, I have, um, and uh, I I pay for the one with commercials, so I'm I'm still cheap, right? But uh, I'm still interested in seeing it. I'm, I'm curious. Wait, wait, you. So, I'm Scottish. <laughs> so wait, so even if you like say watch a rebroadcast, it still has commercials in it. Uh yeah, so there there's like two levels to CBS All Access. There's a there's a it, it which actually is a lot like Hulu. Um, if you pay the the lower level, you get commercials in it, even if it's a rebroadcast. And uh, if you pay the higher level, it's commercial free. Uh, how much more is it at the higher level? I it's four ninety nine for the for the lower level, and I think it's like eight ninety nine for the for the higher level. Yeah. Are the commercials entertaining? It's the same thing you'd have on TV. Yeah, so no, except except a bunch of uh, now a bunch of Twilight Zone promos. Okay, I could live with that. That Twilight yeah. Zone looks good. It really does. Good. Yeah, because they they just released a trailer, and um, you know it it looks to me like they're doing um, you know like homages to original right. episodes, but not like direct right. remakes. I think one of the, they're, they're supposed to be doing like, like a flip side of that, or like they're going to combine some stories from previous ones. And, yeah, well, I mean, you you can't actually tell a whole lot from the trailer, right. but that's what that's what people are speculating based yeah. on what they've seen. All I know is there was a uh, um, uh, there was a, a flash of a Mystic Seer machine. Yes, and I have well, one of those, so I was very happy to see given that. Given the uh, the team there, you can figure if they're using something, they're going to subvert the trope. That's true. Yeah. Well, because we—it's not the first time <clears throat> Twilight Zone has been brought back. I mean, it was the. Um, yeah, but but most of the time, I would say that they were kind of using the brand name right. and not a whole lot else. Whereas, you know, now they have uh, Jordan Peele, who's literally in the Rod Serling role, right. not just hey, look here's here's our cool looking narrator, but actually he's involved in the writing process right. and everything like that. So. Right. That's that's why I think this one will be better than the the previous ones, just right. because, you know, I mean, first of all, the stuff Jordan Peele has come up with has been pretty good, but just no matter who it is, having one person who's actually in that role of being heavily involved in writing it and and everything, I think, I think that'll help a lot more than just hiring somebody who's a cool narrator and saying, you know, look, we're the show with the cool narrator. That was Forrest Whitaker. It was, and and you know. He was a good narrator, but he wasn't writing the stories. I will say, Jordan Peele does look good in that suit. 
He does. He looks yeah. really good in that suit. I want to. I want to look like that in a suit like that. Wow. I'm already. I'm fat shaming myself. <laughs> no, this is what CGI is for. I guess that, that, that's true. And uh, I, you know, I bet there's been some photoshopping with uh, with uh, with I Jordan. Think, I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. Think he was just hitting the gym. I, dude, these days everyone's got to hit the gym. Yeah, everyone's got to hit the gym if you're gonna be on TV. Because I, I swear, the camera. I know we have digital cameras, but it still adds weight. It still adds a few pounds to you. Because I've yeah. seen the a lot of these folks. They look healthy on Even camera. Orson Welles. Wow. Uh, that that added a, a few score pounds. Yeah. Well, it had multiple ah. cameras. Yeah, like. yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Each camera added ten pounds, and there were a lot of cameras lot of on them. But um, um, yeah, I've seen like a lot of these TV folks. You see them in person. You're like, eat a sandwich. <laughs> Gee, come on. I mean, you look fine on television, but in person, you're like, Wee. so. So they did something. I can't remember if it was the most recent episode of Star Trek Discovery or the one before that. They did something that uh, I, I don't like. And that is, uh, so, now you haven't seen, Todd, you haven't seen Star Trek Discovery, but, but you've seen some Star Trek in your time. I, in fact, I used to uh, like to look at the parallels between Babylon 5 and Deep Space Nine, because it's oh. the same base. Yeah, it, it is, yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they, they tend to get in a little bit of trouble, like, over-explaining things. Like, you know, they could have just had some fun with the whole Klingon thing, you know, with them not looking the same in any iteration of Star Trek and just, you know, it's the fact that they had a better makeup budget. That's that's why the Klingons look different. That's the only reason the Klingons look different. Of you don't course. have to explain it. Just just roll with are, it. Are they dumbing it down or are they uh, trying to be continuity cops on their own? Uh, well, they did one thing where they, uh, the, so the Klingons were bald in the first season. Right. And they, uh, I, th- I think that was just them deciding they wanted to have a different look for the Klingons. And so they decided that because everybody commented on that and thought it was thought it was kind of dumb and said why are all the Klingons bald they said oh well the Klingons actually all shave their heads when they're at war oh no 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 that's not what you do and so in the second season what you do so the second season magically they all have hair no 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 the second season Harry Mudd is selling toupees that's what you do Oh yeah, and and Harry Mudd is uh, is in the is oh, in yeah. Star Trek Discovery. Then perfect. And it's it's, be... it's Rain Wilson from The Office. Oh, is uh, Harry Mudd? It, it, that he's, could he's work. That good. could work. Um, so that was kind of dumb, you know, where they decide to over-explain the hair thing. It's just like, okay, you have a better makeup budget. We get it. It's fine. Just just move on with it. Uh, but they uh, they they went ahead and um, so. In Star Trek Discovery, because they have a better special effects budget, they've decided that uh, Starfleet has, like, holographic communication. You know, like, you actually talk to a hologram instead of someone on a screen. And, uh, you know, a couple people pointed out, hey, you know, they didn't have that in the original series. Why do they have it now? And they could have just explained it like, hey, the camera wasn't looking at it. It's, it's fine. Just move on. Or you on. can just not worry about it. <laughs> or, or, or not even comment on it at all. But instead, they'd, in, in, uh, in a moment, they just... They, this was um, actually three episodes ago because I know what you're talking about. Yes. They, uh, they make reference to the fact that... Uh, the holographic projectors on the Enterprise are are fritzing out, and Pike just says, "Rip them out. We're not using them anymore." And oh. so that's their way of explaining why the Enterprise never had it. You know, and there, like, there comes I'm, I'm, I'm like, guys, you were doing so well this season. This this is a classic example of 
Well, you can have too much continuity for your own good. Yes. Yeah. And 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 I read I I forgot what site I read this on was they were saying because then Pike later goes on to become admiral admiral. It, there's a there's a possibility that the reason none of the Starfleet ships have holograph holographic communications at that point is because he decides to get him, get rid of them on all of the ships. Why like he, am I reminded like of that them. Shatner SNL skit? <laughs> just, just get a life. Yeah, yeah I, I'm like, geez, you don't have to read every comment on Reddit and respond to it in the series. It's okay. We we get it. So. Uh, but otherwise, uh, aside from you know, like getting a little bit too into continuity, uh, Discovery's really been killing it this season, and um, you know they've already got uh, already got a World War Three episode, you know that mentions uh, right. World War Three. Um, Spock's you know, going to be showing up soon. Yeah, and you know at some point Khan's going to show up. Ah. Uh, you know it's going to happen at some point because if you reference well, World War Three, you got to have the eugenics wars. No, you have to. Uh, yeah, I, there's there's no way they could do that though. You never know unless the unless well, there, there's going to be earlier con when he was selling Corinthian leather. <laughs> could be, could be. I, I'm just waiting. We talk, we've talked about this on previous episodes, but I'm waiting for them to introduce Young Kirk. I'm sure that's season three. You know, because you got Spock in there now. I bet I bet Kirk does show up, and it's you know you know what's going to happen. Uh, Bashi Maru, Kobayashi Maru. Uh, so how about because uh, I'm, I'm not sure where we're supposed to be in the canon. I think it was like five years before the the original series. Then I heard ten. It's well, ten years would be a little bit diff- more difficult to to pull off because I'm thinking that Pike never goes back to the Enterprise. That uh, Pike is promoted because he does such a great job with what he's doing on discovery he gets promoted to fleet admiral and then kirk takes right. over the enterprise well i mean so far so good i mean pike is doing his i mean I, okay correct me if i'm wrong because is the cage the original version of the cage is that considered part of the canon or not that was my next yes, question yes it is all right yeah so at that point we know that pike was he sir he and spock served together yes you know, now wait, was that on the Enterprise? Was that uh, on the Enterprise? Yeah, the cage, right? the cage was on the Enterprise. Right, so it was yeah. before Kirk takes over. And by the way, did you right. see the uh, the clever little uh, reference to the cage? Where uh, in the in the season premiere, he's in uh, the ready room, and uh, there's uh, there's a fortune cookie there left over from Lorca. Oh, that's and, right. And yeah. the fortune is like, not every cage is a prison or oh. something like that. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, yeah that's a, see that was a that was a, a decent reference because it was subtle. I, well, I thought my reference to the cage by saying we kept Todd in a cage between podcasts. Was, yeah, that that was good. Was, no one in yeah. here is green though. <laughs> no, no. Uh. Okay, so back to the, the, the oh. Oh, he's yellow. There's literally a bearded dragon behind us in a in a tank. So yeah, he's a, he's in more of a terrarium, a terrarium, right? Uh, than, than a cage, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I get that. Now the, remember, and they've also explained also why they don't have spore drive anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, so that that's that moving forward. I'm convinced, though, moving even further with discovery because after a while it's gonna butt up against the classic trek mm-hmm. um 
that they're going to at some point skip those years and that discovery is going to go into the far future. Oh, so not like, you know, following discovery while Enterprise is off on its five-year mission right. with Kirk, but actually like it shows up in the, in the Picard series. Right. Or even Ooh. beyond the Picard series. Ooh, that would be a good, yeah. uh, good yeah, crossover well, yeah. thing. So you're going to get Gary Seven in with the time travel? Possibly. I could go for some Gary Seven. Yeah. Well, they've got the they've got Section Thirty One in there, and everybody, you know, that that's another thing. Everybody's talking a little bit too loosely about Section Thirty One because that was supposed to be like a secret thing. I know. Well, so everybody knows about it. Pike's I, talking about it all the time. Can I tell you something? I want one of those sweet Section Thirty One Starfleet insignias. I mean, they're nice. You know, it's they are black yeah. with a little bit of chrome on there. I'm yeah. Like, oh, well, wait till the collectors the, the collectors start selling those. I'm getting you know M- Michelle Yeoh is getting her her own Section Thirty One series. Yeah, they'll they'll have that. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be Star Trek Section Thirty One. And then they'll have. Then you have Discovery, Picard, the later years. Wait, wait did they come up with a? a no, I, I saw um, um, a. I think it was a fan-made um, uh, poster going around. They were calling it Star Trek Destiny, and it showed a picture of an older Picard. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was fake. That, that was a that was a fan thing. Um, yeah, I uh, that that would be interesting if they actually uh, if they actually somehow set Discovery into the future. And I know, you know. You didn't suggest this. I did, but that's actually like the crossover to the Picard series. Picard series, because Discovery like, shows up. Yeah, because they're using Discovery to set up Section Thirty One. Right. You're gonna use Discovery to set up every other spinoff. So, okay. is there anything besides Star Trek spinoffs on this channel? Well, there's, uh, there's, there's. <laughs> Honest question. Well, for for one thing, there's only one Star Trek spinoff on it right now because the rest of them are, are actually time. being developed. Yeah, you because know, there's Discovery and four more. Okay. And I think there's one that's still not spoken for. Because there's an animated series, there's the Picard series, there's the Section 31 series. So I think there's one so more. The animated series is going to be the Tribbles to the Star Wars Ewoks cartoon? Uh, I believe I believe they said it's... It's going to be more kid-friendly. Yeah, more, more, yeah, yeah. more kid-friendly. I don't know, like, following a bunch of Tribbles around kid-friendly, but kid-friendly nonetheless. Um, and then there's the comedy one, the uh, comic uh, one. Uh, Star Trek or? Yeah, the, the comic Star Trek. What do they call it? Star Trek Below Decks or something like that. Oh, that's the animated series. Yeah. Is yeah. that the animated yeah, series? It yeah, it is. There's, a, there's one uh, that's the comic one. Yeah. And, and that one, uh, in the same way that uh, Michael Burnham, the main character in Star Trek Discovery, isn't a captain. She's a first officer. Um, that one's going to be like all, you know, well, it's below deck, so it's going to be like all you know enlisted people the in Starfleet. You get to find out what it's like well, that's to be a dwarf. Yeah, well, that that could be. Well, I mean, again, Deep Space Nine was Babylon Five, so yeah, no, there's no t- and uh, actually, Red Dwarf was Voyager because you had the hologram. Yeah, and then you had uh, I remember the slob. when Paris and, was the the slob. Wait, did I can't remember when, when Voyager came out though? They were comparing that to Battlestar Galactica because it. You know, my, my circles were going, oh, what's all this yeah. Red Dwarf st- tropes? <laughs> but I think because there are, you hear all these criticisms of Discovery too. Like, well, it's not, it's not like they're contradicting anything that's been done in any other. I mean, as far as thematically, they're not contradicting anything that's been done. Continuity-wise, like you said, Todd, you can get really bogged down in continuity. And after a while, if you have to pay attention to every little bit, 
Although it was pretty cool seeing um, Pike's um, first officer from the Enterprise when she came on board. Yeah, Rebecca Romaine is, uh, yeah. is number one. And she had that 60s style haircut, yeah. hairdo, but she was, you know, in the cool, like um, the yellow, um, tu- not the tunic, but the, the way they've stylized the uh, Starfleet uniforms that are different from Discovery. Yeah, but they, uh, yeah, and they've they made reference to that too. They said that these are the these are the new uniforms, and Discovery has the old ones. Because <laughs> because because when they help themselves. because when the uh, when the 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 you know a couple Pike and a couple of his people come over to Discovery, they're like actually like really impressed with Discovery. I think one of them says, so "This is where Starfleet has been putting their pennies," and uh, Pike goes, "Well, we got the new uniforms." So they they felt the need to actually reference that. Is there a twelve-step program for this? <laughs> I think there should be. <laughs> well, now when you think about it, now uh, this is hitting me now. When you think about it, the Discovery uniforms are closer to the Enterprise uniforms. They're they're actually yeah. I mean, when you think about it, they're actually kind of um, they're closer to Enterprise and actually not that far off from what uh, Pike had in the cage. Like so, you could yeah, so you, you could actually like see there. that. Yeah, yeah. You see the. the the stylistic transitions that are going on there until you get to the original series, series. uniforms and then it's like they just they, they hired a completely different design <laughs> firm to, to come up with the, the uniforms we went from this really nice looking spandex to velour yeah yeah <laughs> well you know it goes with the mood ring yeah it does yeah. well that's that's what uhura is looking at when she's communicating with starfleet it's a mood visor. By the way, I would I would point out that uh, when number one shows up, uh, the, one of the things I noticed immediately was, uh, unlike every other uh, crew, female crew member in the original series, she wasn't wearing the miniskirt. No, she was wearing she was wearing pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to Did me, they explain that. No, but you can, you know, I, I think she's going to be in another episode. You can bet that they will if that has showed up on Reddit or Twitter. Somebody said, hey, why isn't she wearing the miniskirt? Yes. Uh, again, the more I watch the show, and you know, again, remember we were talking about, we were, you, would, you can nitpick all the things about continuity and why things look like this and not like that. Really, when you think about it, when you look at how hairstyles just seem to come back over time, it makes perfect sense to me that Pike's first officer would have a haircut from the, a hairdo from the 60s. Yeah. Are there any yeah. faux hawks on the show? Not yet, but they'll get there. Well, we, we, there's one with the buzz cut on the side. Is that the oh, long that's hair right. with the buzz cut on yeah. the side? We've got uh, dreads, dreadlocks. We've got a, a robot uh, crew member that they never quite explained. But she just shows up and talks. She played a, a vital role in the last episode. Yeah. You know, which was kind of neat. Um, yeah. Which they, they've kind of referenced, hey, she's a robot, and that's come in handy a couple times. But they've never, like, we know nothing about her. She's and, just there. And they still have redheads. Remember, we were afraid that redheads were going to be going extinct. They still have redheads. There are at least two redheads on Discovery. I can't. Well, that's, mis- that's because of the eugenics war. Yeah. Well, yeah. They were trying to, the redheads are trying to get rid of everyone else. Oh, they were leading the fight in yeah. the in the eugenics wars. Oh, I, I, I could see that. Yeah. So I'm I'm just you know, I've just been enjoying Discovery though. I'll say it again. I I have like like none of the none of the uh, the things that they've chosen to like drop in there as far as the continuity things. Like they've been things that I've I've noticed and I've rolled my eyes at, but it hasn't affected my enjoyment of the show. It's just like guys, did you have to do that? They are. They are flirting dangerously though with something 
What's that? It's that in every so far this arc, it's all been about the quote unquote red angel. Mm-hmm. You know, finding the red angel, and uh, you remember what happened with the last angel in the sci-fi show, Starbuck. Oh no! Yeah, no, that's yeah. what I thought you were going to. <laughs> It'll turn out it is Starbuck. <laughs> well, you know, mergers and acquisitions. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at RadioMisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cabotron.